to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and where your treasure is, there this pod will be also. Today, we're talking about what Jesus had to say about generosity. Tim Ayers is here to stockpile the concerns of heaven. But before we start counting our mamonas, now that they've stockpiled ridiculous amounts of grain to show their worth, let's welcome in our favorite little faiths, Tim and Marin. Good day, guys. <laughs> Good day. That was kind of adorable, that little faith. Yeah, That's, you guys are just a couple little faiths. That I'm sure we'll get to it in your message, but I, that, what a sweet little nickname for Jesus <laughs> the Christ to give to us, his people. Little yeah. faiths. Yeah, so I'm sure it's not, it wasn't meant like you cuties. No. Tim, welcome back to the show. That's good to be here. Yeah, it's, it's been, been a while. while. It's yeah, been a long been while. while. Last time we talked, it was probably warm outside. We were bouncing around uh, in shorts and bouncing around in yeah, shorts. Yeah, now it's like this coming weekend, a high of nineteen degrees. That's what. Yeah, that's what I heard. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today we're gonna celebrate what was in warm weather by doing what's new. Mm-hmm. Sermon recap, like usual, yeah. but we're gonna revisit a f- uh, <laughs> a, a favorite segment of the show that we once did. Uh, we used to do all the time, and it's basically music I've never heard of that Tim Ayers brings. That's right. for us to listen. <laughs> Tim to. Tim came in hot today. He yeah. came in with this song, like ready yeah, to go. Yeah, he's ready to go. He's like, I'm not sure if you're gonna ask, but I hope you do because I've got a song. <laughs> Well, I've just been living in this song for a while. I think it's because it just makes me feel good. All yeah. right. No Barry. No, no Barry this week. Uh, he's on a vacation, but he's at home. I just saw him. Actually, he's in the building. Staycation? He's here? <laughs> yeah. He was doing a tour of the care center. Well, nothing says vacation like, like coming, coming into work. Coming to work, to yeah. <laughs> tour the care center. So uh, we'll be back with him next week. But they, My understanding is Barry and Olivia were supposed to be in Florida this week. Yeah. That's true. And then hurricane right. happened. Right. And, and now it's right. a state, In fact, when I came here, when I left home to come here, my wife was on the phone with the people whose condominium they were going to stay in mm. that was totally destroyed. Oh, my goodness. And so. They're okay, though, right? They're okay, but. Yeah, that they've had that they'd owned that condo for 30 years. And so it was not Mm. some I mean, it it was something that was filled with memories and lots of stuff. I've been there many times and it was a beautiful, very homey condo right on the beach in Sanibel. And Mm. it was awful Mm. what happened there. I just talked to my grandma in Florida this morning right before coming here. And she said that FEMA had just gotten to her area mm. um just now yeah it's yeah that was a long time ago it yeah. seems yeah 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 uh all right we gotta start we gotta turn it up we gotta start on a higher note <laughs> take us there tyler <laughs> all right what's new guys what's going on what's what's been happening do you have any high notes yeah go for it yeah so all right we did the whole trick-or-treating thing last week and uh Gosh, was that only last week? Yeah, it was last Wasn't it? Monday, I think. Yeah. Wow. So last time we left, it was like I was on my way to go trick-or-treating right. last time we did the show. So we did trick-or-treating, <laughs> and uh, everybody, you know, gets great candy. And as a parent of a five-year-old and a two-year-old, it's like the jackpot. Yeah. Anyways, the candy's still there, but I, I this past weekend, sold uh, a lot of board games at a board game garage sale and I brought Milo (laughs) with me and we get money or store credit for selling. And all he wanted was more candy, Mm. even though we have a house full of it. And he chose the candy he chose was an item called unicorn poop. Mm. (laughs) Would you care to expound? It's chocolate covered, uh, sunflower seeds. Oh, <laughs> so uh I'm living in like sounds terrible. That, that's the phase we are entering into where like things like that are are funny. And then he got slime. Okay. Yeah. And so slime Is he into making the slime yet? No. Oh man. No. That will dominate your life. So I brought this up. I talked about the I, I don't think I talked about this in service, but I definitely talked about it in like rehearsal and run through because I was hosting last weekend mm-hmm. about like how terrible of a invention slime actually is 
Did you go through a slime phase, guys, with your kids? Well, I went through the slime making phase. Oh, you made slime. No, she. She made slime <laughs> every <Your> day, <laughs> every which way, all We haven't long. gotten there yet. It's just, <laughs> like, last time I looked, there's, like, slime, like, in the folds of my clothes, <laughs> or it's just smashed into the carpet, yes. and it's, like, impossible to get rid of, so whoever created or invented slime is, like, they hate parents they mm, must hate parents. i feel that way about legos well, legos no you can build cool stuff with legos they're impossible to clean up you always miss just one and the one you miss is the one you are going to find by stepping on it <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. did you ever do the slime phase with your kids i'm having trouble remembering slime i remember remember my kids are older than you are, yeah so it's like like i think it um <laughs> We're like Tinker Toys. What what were your kids playing Tinker with? Toys. Jacks. <laughs> Jacks. No. Jackson Ball. Yeah. Whatever it is. <laughs> they were kicking the can down the street. Yeah. yeah. I don't Tinker <laughs> Toys. I remember something that you would throw at the wall and it would slop down and climb down oh, the yeah, wall. Like oh, the yeah. Like the little rubber guy? Yeah, I remember that. That guy was cool. I don't I don't remember I'm I remember slime cool from stuff. being <laughs> Something on Nickelodeon that they would watch. Yeah, and you yes. just get your head dumped and on. There right. was a guy named Mark Summers who oh, yeah. was. You remember Mark yeah, Summers? He's yeah, he's like super OCD guy now. I know. I knew him. I grew up with him. Oh, you grew up with Mark Summers. Tim. Yeah, his name is Mark Berkowitz. <laughs> what? Yeah, Summers was. You're a, ruining my childhood. His name is Mark Summers, and he name? hosts everything I love. Well, I grew up with him. <laughs> everything you love? Yeah, he was I, the when host I of everything. At, yeah, I, when I worked at Bob and Tom, he came on the show at Bob and Tom, and it was like a f- reunion because he hadn't, yeah. I hadn't seen him what since high school. World? Yeah, his name is Mark Berkowitz. So he did like the Double Dare thing, right? Yeah, he was Double Dare, But then he yeah. followed me into adulthood because he did stuff on the Food Network. Yeah, he was hosting oh, he stuff on the Food Network. Yeah, yeah. he's really badly OCD. He had all yeah, he's like of, one of those guys that like yeah. can't have tassels on his rug. Yeah. Oh, well, who wants tassels on their rug? Or whatever. You know, like the fringe, uh-huh. he's got to like have it perfectly okay. straight. Okay. Ooh. And he, he can't leave the house unless the, yeah, the tassels are mm. taken care of. It's, yeah, it's bad. I I got plenty of bad news for you. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> he did say when I saw him, now I've not seen him since I, that's been a while, but he said, that it explained a lot of his behavior. If I mm. had any problems with his past behavior when he was in high school, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, he was. Right. Yeah, my, well, needless well, to say, it's slime and unicorn poop in my house. That's what we're. <laughs> that's what we're dealing with. So, what's new with you guys? <laughs> um, I know you wanted to start on a high note, but Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving, Halloween for me was a low note. Oh, it no. was the first Thanksgiving ever where both kids had like separate plans and I just was home alone on Halloween. I'm so an emotional sad. person. It was so sad. Wait, what? so why was it sad? Because that sounds lovely to be home alone. No, because like Halloween was always me and Desi's day. Mm-hmm. Like particularly we would, we would start out as a family walking through our neighborhood in Chicago. Jed and Jaden would punk out early every time. Yeah. Jaden is so moderate. He's just like, I have a moderate amount of candy. I am good. And he would just go home. <laughs> a moderate amount. But it's never enough for Desi. So we would <laughs> yeah. literally push until the cops made us go home. Yeah. There was one year where the cops made us go home. We just kept going. And mm-hmm. because we kept going, we were often richly rewarded with yeah. like people just wanting to offload their stuff. So we would just get even more <laughs> oh, candy. Oh yeah, just take whatever's left. We, we, one time we came home with like a bag full of king size stuff and then we'd wave it in front of Jaden's face like, ha ha, we are, we are like the victors. It was, it was our day. Yeah. It was a big and so, deal. So wait, but she did go trick or treating. Yeah. Just yeah. not with you. With her boyfriend and her boyfriend's little brother. So. Yeah. And you I were drove not invited. Through the so that's why you were emotional. Are you kidding me? Moms with their kids. And it just You drove me. through the neighborhood while trick or treating was happening? Yes, I did. I was coming home. I was coming home oh, okay, for the day I and I saw all the moms out with their kids and it was just like, oh, this part of my life is over. And is, then it was set. Is handing out the candy fun for you? Like seeing all the kids come it through. It may have been 
had I candy to hand out. <laughs> oh, oh, no. You were not prepared. We were not prepared. I got home and Jed had all the lights off. Jed! Oh, <laughs> he didn't yeah, want kids yeah. to know that we were home. <laughs> but but the, the floodlight is on a timer, so he <laughs> forgot. Whoops. And the floodlight came on and three little mummies came yeah, to our man. back door. And he's like, sorry, guys. <laughs> we, we don't have anything. Yeah. Oh, he said sorry, and we don't have anything. Last didn't, yeah. They didn't go scrounging around for something. I last did year that you did last saltines. year. Last year I did. Uh, I did full sleeves of Ritz crackers <laughs> and dry ramen. <laughs> I would. I would be like. Yeah, we're skipping that house. That's weird. This I'm, year, I'm gonna be more intentional yeah. about it next year. I will have candy, and I will. Dude, Find a way face. to enjoy Maybe my Maybe you new need life. to dress up. The best houses that we went to are like people that are sitting in their driveways at a table. Right. Dressed up, waiting for kids to walk up the driveway, and then they give out like really nice candy. Mm. Yeah. There's maybe, like a whole maybe phase. We'll, maybe we'll be that family. Yeah, you'll be it. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, what's new with you? Um, New? I planted more pansies in front of my house this year than I've ever planted. <laughs> oh, and no. Our house is a riot of color. Wow. I'm well, happy. And I put- hang on. Are they native? Oh, boy. Are pansies native? Oh, come on now. We've got a... We've got a native. Tim, do you know about my son's passion for native plants and his hatred for the peony? Do you know about this? He hates peonies? <laughs> <laughs> the peony, I guess, is the Indiana state flower, yeah, but it it's is. non-indigenous, so That's he is true, very much against it. Well, hardly anything we see in the suburbs or anywhere is indigenous. Does yeah, he know? Does he know? The problem uh, with what about pansies? Did you, does he know Kim Gowan, the next door neighbor to Barry? Um, I just met Kim at a party at Barry's house last weekend and I gave Jaden Kim's card. Yeah, because Jade, because Kim is retired, but he's now put his whole life into removing yes. non, uh, or non-indigenous yes. plants. Wait, yeah. there was a party at Barry's house and I... You were I'm just a, now hearing about this. You were dressed as Prince Speak, at a different oh yeah. party. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, the that same night. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't worry. We don't need to talk you about know, that. You know, someday it'll be like my, my, like I am, which is I haven't been invited to any parties. <laughs> no on. one invites it. No, seriously. I bet it's I been am 30 here. years since somebody invited me to a party. We have, no. to have, we have to have a party for Tim yeah. and just and do yeah, Tim-related that's stuff. What, yeah, that's what, that's no, what you but, need. Yeah, but no, I have pansies in front All right, of my so, house. <laughs> um, what was the, just, you just need more color around the house? I think it was that I was going to plant a bunch of bulbs. I did, under the beds, and I had a really good crop of annual flowers. And yeah. the pansies will last through the winter and still be there in the spring. And so yeah. I just went crazy. I, I don't know why All I right. just went crazy. And yeah. uh, the other thing is that we went at the right time yeah. where everybody was like, uh, pansies are half price. We're trying to get rid of them. Oh, so, ah, so you just loaded and if up. you buy two flats, I'll give you a third for free. And mm. so every place I went, they were practically giving me pansies. Now, if you go to my house, you're not going to go where I went. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you go to my house, you're not going to go. Good Lord, Tim. That's a lot of pansies. No, I'm, no. I'm Mr. Subtle. You know, I'm a, yeah, yeah. I was a landscape designer. So yeah. I, uh, I anyway. gotta be honest. I don't know what a pansy looks like. I don't think well, I know what a pansy looks like. <laughs> well, I went to high school with a bunch of, <laughs> I saw that but, coming. Yeah, but, saw um, that coming. but, um, they're, they're, <laughs> Ah, they have three. Ah, you just have to see. Yeah, well, you I'm, know. I'm gonna look it up. You know if you saw it. All right. I Are wonder- they like your wife's favorite flower? Is there some sort of like? No, connection? she likes pansies. No, but they're not. She does like pansies, but they're not her favorite flower. I don't know what her favorite. Oh, flower. oh, totally. You know these. Let me see. These are from like. Describe Alice, it. Alice in Wonderland, right? Don't they have pansies in Alice in Wonderland? Well, they got like the pansies the, that dance and sing. Middle. Yeah, they yeah. have a face on the. Those are cool. Yeah, they call them, they call people pansies because pansies, the flower. Has like will a grumpy wilt face. Up. Yeah, I've got some of that. That's a, look at that face. <laughs> they, they wilt in the heat. Okay. They wilt in the heat. Yeah, so when the heat gets turned on, they wilt. They die in yeah. the, yeah, they're a, they're a fall, spring uh, flower. Gotcha. And they'll overwinter. I was in Broad Ripple a couple years ago in December after Christmas 
and found a flat of pansies that somebody had left on the street of all things. And they were just looking really rough. Yeah. I took them home, planted them and they were fine in the spring and they bloomed all over the place. Hmm. And well, I don't know how long they'd been sitting in the flat on the street. Who throws a flat of pansies <laughs> on the street? But someone who but realized the, the they're maniac. not indigenous. I was with uh, Jeff and Sarah McLaughlin's kids. Yeah. Uh, they were with my grandchildren. We were all together okay. when they did that. And so it was fun when they <laughs> came over in the spring and I said, Hey guys, remember those flowers I picked up on the street? There they are blooming. And there they, they, go. they like that. All right. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. What should we be planting? right now tim well pansies are are probably the only thing i would you plant bulbs now for spring Hmm. and you can plant ornamental cabbages i have a bunch of those at my house right now and i do like ornamental cabbages this pod is quickly becoming (laughs) i like ornamental cabbages sermons and gardening (laughs) between tim and barry barry was talking about mushroom flushes last week well, he's he's thinking about the di- a different kind of horticulture than I think about. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's fine. But yeah, there's not much that because of the hard winters, mm-hmm. pansies will last. If we get a good snow cover, they'll be wonderful. They love it under the snow. Mm-hmm. All right, can't wait to hear how that goes. Yeah, swing by. All right. <laughs> All right. I I told you last week, and I told my son again. I've got to get him to see your house. I have to take my okay, son to we your did, house. Speaking of your son. This is cool, and I, I want you to know this. Jennifer downloaded the sa- singing of a um, an eastern bluebird, mm-hmm. and we put the uh, bl- what do you call it? Blu-ray speaker that we have outside, and she sent the song of the of the bird to it, and literally within a minute. We had bluebirds. No way. We just had bluebirds and birds, and they were all sitting around on the deck because. They're looking around like, what's going on? That's yeah. amazing. And I have a, I have a, what's that? on my phone, I have a Plastic film of bird. them coming in. That's so cool. So Jaden is also super, super into birds. So he, he is? just, he just got a, he just replaced the hummingbird feeder for which he makes hummingbird net, net nectar. He doesn't buy stuff like, cause that's no, bad. No, yeah, we he make makes it. it. Yeah. He, he cares. So now he can't do he the dishes, it. but he's making hummingbird <laughs> nectar. That's he Jayden. replaced it with, um, something that holds peanuts. And I guess blue Jays love peanuts yeah, and will like swallow them whole. So I sat this on the porch with my son, had my, my coffee and we just watched the birds together. You did? Yeah. It okay. was delightful. All right. We probably have it's going to be a high of nineteen this weekend, so it's over. It's over. Yeah, we probably have twenty to twenty-five species of birds every day at our house. So he needs to come. He over. needs to come to your house. Yeah, he needs to come to our house. All right, enough's enough. <laughs> we got it. We got to talk about the sermon. We're starting a new series. Whoa. You all right? I am. Okay, My good. seat almost fell yeah, over. Yeah, Tim almost fell over. It's almost workman's comp. Um, all right. Start a new sermon series. We are talking about generosity, like a biblical, what does the Bible have to say about being generous as the church, as Christians? And so kicked off week one. Tim, you're here to talk about the sermon that you delivered. And actually, I don't know if we want to talk about this at all, <laughs> but like you basically wrote two sermons last week. I wondered if you were going to go there. <laughs> and you did a you did like a mid-game audible last week. That's my own fault, guys. Well, yeah, I don't No one is here no, to no, place blame. We're not pointing no, fingers. I can place blame. No one I is just, here to place blame. I got an email from Barry some time ago that said, "Can you change <laughs> your your week and preach on this last weekend yeah. as opposed to this coming weekend or maybe it was two weekends and i said sure i got this email and i said sure yeah because the first sentence asked me that and i wrote mm-hmm. back and said sure and i never read the rest of the email <laughs> oh well the rest of the email flaw. told me that i was supposed to preach the same subject oh yeah. and it outlined it how the service how the series would go but m- m- being me i never read it yeah i just got the li- the the <laughs> The, the old thing. Yeah. I thought, well, yeah. it there's an order to these sermons. Yeah. And if you're doing week one, you're if doing If I'm the doing topic. week one, I do the topic that was listed on the original thing. Yeah. So. Right. And here's how this podcast broke that whole thing down. Because last week's podcast ended with Tyler doing what Tyler does, asking mm-hmm. where we're going next. And Barry outlined, well, next week, Tim is going to bring a message about biblical generosity and what Jesus has to say about it. And I was sitting in this seat going, oh, no, 
That's not what Tim is yeah. currently writing a message about. Marinus, oh, Marinus, no, I, I made did, like I, weird I, eye contact and like, what, uh, I don't think know, this is correct. No, and you know that literally <laughs> this this is an interesting thing because on that was on a what day? A Monday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On Thursday, my work computer quit working. Oh. And I couldn't the the thing that that doesn't the, sound like our work computers. <laughs> the click thing that you push down on the. The, the pad the, there. Yeah, the trackpad. It was stuck down. And so <laughs> oh, no. so everywhere I put the arrow, it clicked it. <laughs> oh, so I was having real problems. So oh. I just said. Gird your loins. Yeah. And so I said, I'm not going to type this sermon up. I'm just going to wait until Monday when I can. Because Josh said he would, could, yeah. he would see me on Monday mm. to fix it. And so I didn't type it. I had it written. And I had typed maybe the first paragraph of it after he had fixed it on Monday. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then I heard from you guys about that. And so I didn't spend a minute. I had actually contacted everybody that I have to send, like the notes to the small group people and yeah. the notes to the, to the, to, to, to for the, the app the, people, app people, all that stuff. You had a lot of fun facts in there this time around. Yeah. Well, I don't uh-huh. Anyways. So you were almost like, you were writing another sermon and Barry contacted you Monday and was like, Hey, well, I'd written another sermon. Yeah. <laughs> I'd done. Okay. And Barry was like, Hey, what about this other topic? We got a, there was a mix up or whatever. And you wrote a new sermon. Yeah. I yeah. actually, it caught me off guard just because I felt so stupid that I hadn't read the email. Cause I don't know. Barry didn't need to do it, but he sent me the email stream to show me that he had told me. (laughs) And I don't know whether I'm now here. I'm going way down on a limb, but somewhere in his life, he's been shamed where he does not want to have to take it. like, look, I'll prove it. Yeah. I I said right up front, it was my fault. And, you know, and I had to call him my previous email. Yeah. And so I, but yeah, no, I wrote that sermon on actually on Monday night. Cause I didn't go to bed. So what is oh. that like for you? Because if, if that had been my mistake and I had to start writing the message for the weekend, like on Monday night, I'm going to stab myself with a machete and then I will, and die. then I will die. That's exactly what <laughs> I would have thought. I was fine. That you know, well, here's the deal. The passages, the passages were from parts of the Bible that I've taught my class on. Mm. So I just went and got the book. Oh, there you go. The, like the Sermon note. on the Mount and Luke and. Yeah. And I just, uh, I have all those notes. And so I just looked them up and read what I'd said in my classes and said, I, I'm not going to do any new, I don't have time to do new exegesis, but I've done hours and hours of exegesis for the class for those on those passages. And so mm. I just read through there you what go. I had done and then just started formulating some way to make it work. That right there is the magic of Tim Ayers. <laughs> right there. I've already taught yeah. on all of these things. Yeah. I'll just look up my notes. So what? for go ahead. I was just gonna say I didn't I just decided not to panic. Here's the deal. <laughs> there. That's um, perfect. <laughs> just deciding to not panic. Yeah, I had already told, and I think this is somehow guidance from above, because I had already told Everybody who was supposed to get something from me that my computer was broken down and it would be two days late before they got it. Yep. And so I knew if I got everything to them by Wednesday. That was God. He was like. God ruled. We're going to make that button stick. Yeah. And, (laughs) and the other thing is that I spent the weekend with my wife doing stuff that I wouldn't have done if I'd have been able to type. Mm, And so we had a really good weekend together and I just let it go, not Mm. knowing that I'd have to write a different sermon, but that's what happened. And I felt, I felt good about the sermon. No, I was a little bit like, is this going to make any sense? I haven't had time to edit it as much as I know. So what was the big idea? So after you got it all put together, what was the big idea you needed people to well, the big idea then. really came, came down to how much do we trust God to, to care for us and do we see his generosity at work in our lives in a way that leads us to also be generous with the things that he cares about? I think yeah. that's pretty much what I was talking yeah. about. I, um, I knew that this was a series about money and about giving. You're just giving. Mm-hmm. It's got to be about that at some level. Mm-hmm. 
But I didn't think that the passages led us there. I thought the passages set us up for going there. Mm. And they gave us a foundation about do we trust God and do we see his hand? And do we think, and I think this was really important. I've gotten, I'll be honest, I have never had more responses to a sermon then, well, that's not true. My women in ministry. <laughs> Maybe a couple yeah, that, more. Yeah. The, yeah. Like, yeah. But that's but, um, a joke. <laughs> yeah. But the I've never had this many responses to a sermon immediately. Mm. About, really? If, and no, I've not. And they were from all over the map of what people had to say, and they were all positive. I haven't gotten a single wow. negative. Everybody has said this is the most helpful sermon on money I've ever heard. Thank you for letting wow. me know that I'm a treasure to God. I mm-hmm. have trouble believing it. Thank you for telling me that I am I need to think clearly about what God is doing for me so that I'll trust him more. And thank you. I mean, it's just on mm. and on. I just, just piled on it. Great. I, yeah. Can I just yeah. give a shout out to people who encourage us after we preach? Like I, every time I get something like that, <laughs> I feel like you didn't have to take time out of your day yeah. to circle back and say that any of this meant anything to you. Right. Because I'm, I listen to good sermons all the time and think, wow, that was a great sermon. Moving on. Right. I don't yeah. take time out <laughs> yeah. to write the email. It's, it's, it's always super refreshing and super encouraging. So yeah. Uh, yeah, a formal right. thank you. Well, I yeah, I agree with you on that, Marin, and it, that's happened to me this week. And so I've decided to not have Barry give me the subject of any sermon until Monday night from now. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. That's the template. That's when forward. you do your best writing. Yeah, no, I felt good about it. I think that the thing that caught most people off guard was the ARC yes. references. Yeah, so let's and talk I about that. A, I had a guy come up to me and said, say, I didn't believe you knew what you were talking about. So I got out my blue letter Bible app and you were right. (laughs) What? And I said, and yeah, he had this look on his face and then he sort of warmed up to me and it was great. It was a great conversation. (laughs) You, um, um, I was, I was a little taken aback at first. Yeah. Do you appreciate that as much as you appreciate the compliments? I appreciate the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, giving me the ability to control my facial expressions when things like that take place. I don't want that. Uh, Okay. So let's talk about that for a minute. You talked about the ark. So Noah's ark. And I was today years old, or I guess Sunday years old, when I realized that Noah's ark and ark of the covenant use the same word and it's a chest. For, you said it's a chest for it's holding a box. It's, it's your most valuable possession. Yeah, it was original. It's it's most. That's what's interesting about the Noah story is that God says, "I want you to build me a box," and yeah. Noah goes, "Okay." And yeah. then he says, "And it's going to be this big." And he yeah. goes, "What?" Yeah. That's the part that because yeah. because we don't talk about it as a box or yeah. a treasure chest or a box to hold your valuables. Yeah, and yeah. his most valuable possessions were. Not possessions, but his the most important things to him were animals and his animals family. and his people. Yeah. 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 I think that changes that story. And it also changes anytime you start talking about those sorts of things it later in the book mm. or in the Bible. And And so people hearing Jesus' Sermon on the Mount would have made that connection? I mm. think so, because I think that that's the way the story was taught to them. Storing up treasures. Yeah. Heaven is storing its treasures in the ark. Hmm. So, yeah. So you focused on the Sermon on the Mount, and then you took us to Luke as well. But on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, uh, or you said, he tells them to seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all, um, like all the possessions and things that we normally worry about, the things that would get eaten by moths or stolen or rust. Those things will follow if we, or if, followers or listeners would seek God's kingdom and righteousness first. Um, and you said he's basically telling them listeners that you are God's treasure and you can trust him. Yes. And that, and so you can, we're treasured in heaven and then there are other values that are treasured in heaven. And so when we seek those, that, 
that just multiplies the treasure, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he, you know, he tells he tells them, don't worry about these these specific things. Focus on storing up treasures in heaven. And it, I don't know, Marin. I don't know about your uh, for you page or your TikTok al- algorithm right now, <laughs> but uh, there's a current trend going around where like women they're making videos of themselves like in the caption is like spiraling and worry and carrying the weight of the world uh, in my life and home. And then it smash cuts to her husband. Who's just like staring off into the distance. And it's like, the caption is, well, just stop worrying about it. And she's like, okay, problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's like what Tim just said. Like, yeah. I just chose not to panic. It's like, I'm just going to choose not <laughs> yeah. to worry. Jesus tells us not to worry, but for a bunch of people, you said these people were most likely poor, mm. right? That were listening. These people who didn't have food, clothes, roofs, roofs. Would that have been, would that have come off as helpful? No, because them? I, I, um, did, I only briefly stated but I don't think the Sermon on the Mount was for those people. I oh. think it was for the fifteen to ten to fifteen percent of the people who, who had could do something about it. The Be- because those people were not they're not worrying at the same way. People who are storing it up and have the ability to store it up and are not generous with it in any way are the ones that really need to hear this stuff. Do you mean that you feel that that part of the Sermon on the Mount was only meant for 15 to 20% of the no, people? No, I think the whole of the Sermon on the Mount was meant for them because if I, I've done a, I hate to say it this way, but I've done a lot of work on the Sermon on the Mount and the way that it seems to be organized is it's always criticizing that which the power structures are the, people who are in the position of power are telling everybody else the way they're saying, this is the way the world works. And then Jesus says, no, it doesn't work that way. This is what's important. This is what's important. And then he goes into this thing about don't worry about things. And I think his, he's still talking to, he's still got the people on the edge who are, are able to store up tons of stuff Mm -hmm. and take, and they could, they, they, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but they had five years worth of grain stored in the temple. Five years. They could have, they didn't need to store five years of grain in the temple, but they stored it up because they were worried that something might come. So they, Mm -hmm. those people, the Levites and the priests Mm -hmm. needed that in case something came up. They could have alleviated a lot of poverty, a lot of hunger by just mm. having two years of stored up. Right. right. And, but that's why I think he was talking to them that I honestly have mm. never heard anyone say this. Mm-hmm. This is Tim Ayers at his most raw. Okay. But I, I, I could be dead wrong, but that's the way that every time I go back to the sermon on the mm. Mount, I keep thinking, yeah, that's an encouragement to people who, some of it is a straight up encouragement to the people who, who do not have. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Right, because that's exactly the opposite New of King what... King James. <laughs> mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the opposite of the way that it was taught in regular teaching. They would have never said blessed are you. If you're, if you're mourning, mm-hmm. something's happened that you're getting this because you deserve it. The Beatitudes generally in the time were things like, blessed are you if you have many children because God is making certain that your family prospers. Mm -hmm. Blessed are you if you have a great harvest because God is making sure that you, because of your righteousness, are going to have plenty to eat. That's the way Beatitudes were talked about in the culture. There's tons of them. You can read them in Jewish writing. And and Jesus comes along and does exactly the opposite because he's trying to encourage people to say, these things are happening to you, and it's not because you've done something terrible. It's just because this is the way things are going and God is with you in this. And it's also challenging the people who speak exactly the opposite of what Jesus is saying. And so he gets to that part. He comes out of those things and he says, don't do this stuff to show off, pray in private. He's always, everything is telling people who are in the power structure that they need to rethink everything. And then he gets to this. Well, the only people that are 
are really able to store up and think about stuff like that are the 10% of the people that have anything. The vast majority of the people were like, well, it'd be nice if I had something to store up. <laughs> but then, so I, th- I just think that that's who he was talking to. Mm-hmm. But that's my thought about it. I've never heard anybody say that. I've but. also never heard anybody say that. But it tracks. It makes sense. If I'm the person who lacks or if I'm the you know, the other 80% of the people who were there, I'm hearing blessed are those who mourn. I'm like, yeah, that's me. I will be comforted. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. And that's always where I stopped with it. Like he's, he's talking to the people and he's encouraging them. But if he is saying to the other 20%, you know what? Blessed are those who mourn. Right. Well, here's the thing. Why would those people be angry with Jesus and want to kill him if he's not saying things constantly that mm-hmm. offend them? Mm-hmm. And we just don't live in the possibility of those things just immediately being offensive to us or mm-hmm. knowing why they would be offensive to other people. And so mm-hmm. it's uh, it's just a different way to look That's at cool. it. That's cool. That makes me want to go back and reread the Sermon on the Mount with that context in mind. Yeah, I think that's the way you should read it. <laughs> well, I think you need to start by thinking of who his audience is. Mm-hmm. Jesus often says things. I mean, a couple of times he, they say he looked out and he, they looked like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. You know that he's talking about people that are in need of someone who can gather them in and say the right things to them, but the right things to them are going to be the wrong things to the people that don't, because the system was really settled and everybody was living under assumptions that Jesus came to alter. Mm. So. so then you took us, uh, you asked the question, so, okay, what is, if, if we're supposed to store up treasures in heaven, what is, what are treasures in heaven? And right. You took us to Luke. I did. And I know that there's going to be somebody who's going to write to me and say, well, isn't this Luke's just version? I said, he said the same things. Mm-hmm. Well, this is Luke's version of that same sermon. He, he recontextualizes it. And I know that it could just be Luke quoting the Matthew passages and just putting them here, and that's not a separate thing. I made it narratively sound like, because it says Jesus is saying these things to his disciples. Mm -hmm. And so I just made it like he was repeating something he'd said before. But the truth is, Jesus probably repeated everything that he said 50 times. I mean, because... They weren't printing his sermons in the paper or broadcasting yeah. them on the radio. Every time somebody heard him, unless they had traveled with him, it was the first time. And mm. so he said the same thing often. Mm. And so I just said that. But I took that passage to give, I made that passage give us values of the kingdom by just looking at what he was saying. Yeah. They have to be values of the kingdom or he wouldn't have talked about it. Yeah. And uh, you you pointed our attention to where we where we find value in other people and usually a lot of times that comes down to how much stuff we yeah, have what they have um that's how we measure someone's worth and it, that was fascinating for me to think about i mean i probably have thought about it before but there are i don't know anybody and i don't know anyone in my life that's like man tyler has a lot of stuff like of anything other than like board games but I look at other people in my life who have nicer versions of things that I have, and it's easy for me to get caught up in comparing myself to them. Right. On the same, t- at the same time, and it. I will say, I, I got more emails about that. About like they do that. They said I constantly belittle myself mm. because so many other people have been so much more successful in material things. Yeah. And thank you for reminding me that mm. that's not a value of the heaven. Yeah. Mm. It's hard. That is a hard thing to do in the part of the world we live in. Oh, yeah. And in our world, money is the issue that gives us gets us to possessions. Yeah. And so we have to go there. We value people's va- worth in the world based on how much money they make. Yeah. And... Um, they didn't necessarily make judgments based on cash on hand, but on that, which, you know, possessions, yeah. things like that. But we'd still, I mean, I mean, we automatically make a, an assumption about people who live in a gated community. Yeah. That's different than we do when we think about somebody who lives at 
21st in Illinois. Yeah. And I, and it, it's just simply got to do with possessions, but those possessions all relate to money. They yeah. didn't have a money, they had money, but it didn't operate in the same way that ours does. So. Yeah. So on the one hand, it's very easy for me to compare myself to friends and people in my life that seemingly or do have a lot more and better versions of the things that I have, like homes and cars and whatever. At the same time, uh, it is so, in my experience, it is so incredibly refreshing to be around people who, according to the world, don't have much, but um, according to heaven, mm-hmm. or they are the ambassadors and most surrendered and faithful people I've ever come across. They seemingly have like little stored on earth, mm-hmm. but they constantly are ministering to me. And when I think about don't store up treasures in heaven or on this earth, but that those are the people I think about. Like I think about the people, our friends in Ukraine and right. other people that I've come across. It's like, they would look at me like I have a lot, mm-hmm. right? A lot of things. And I look at them like, I want to be like that because you are ministering mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's a hard image storing up treasure in heaven is a hard image to get your arms around. Cause I don't know exactly what you're going to do with it. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like what's where, how's it stored and what is it? But the idea is just simply valuing, valuing the things that are mm-hmm. valued in heaven and making sure that your life is filled with that sort of mm-hmm. those values. And I said, I think in a sermon, now I know this is hard to get your arms around because I was struggling with getting my arms around it. Yeah. But I was, I think most people got it because I didn't, I haven't gotten anybody who said, man, that was a terrible image. Yeah. Why, why Jesus say that when you, we can't even figure out what he's talking about? So it was interesting to me, like you said, um, when you were talking about Luke, that life is not measured by how much you own. Mm-hmm. That immediately made me think of my punk rock youth because we were very like anti-establishment, you know, right? Yeah. right? Um, I was talking to Tyler the other day. Do you ever listen to a band called Fugazi? Absolutely. I was so a big fan of Fugazi. They have that line yeah. in their song merchandise that you are not what you own. Yeah. You are not what you own. I grew up with that attitude, right? I'm feeling so like aggressive. Everything I ever bought was secondhand, like yeah. totally DIY. And that's, that's how I lived. But they left it there. They didn't say, you are not what you own, so go do something better right. <laughs> or focus your attentions on other people or focus your attentions on treasure that's eternal. They just left it at, let's not support, right. you know, feeding the machine and whatever. It, it, it's the same concept of you are not what you own, right. but to a different end. Now, the problem with that and I remember those days well, <laughs> is that suddenly what you don't own becomes the way you value your life. Yes, yes. It, it becomes an inverted status symbol, which is just as much pride related to it Absolutely. as the other. Absolutely. And yeah. that's where I come from. I don't come from central Indiana. Like when, when you guys talk about the region and the problems with the region and gated communities, that's that's not where I come from. Okay. Fishers is where it's at. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> but Well, and I, I struggle with that. I never thought I would own a home. I never thought I would have a closet the size of the closet I possess. And I ask myself how far I've, I've gotten away from who I was back then. And am I, am I too materialistic now? I probably am. You, you do know? have the red tube of toothpaste. By, by the standards <laughs> of those. secret yeah. that I keep in a hidden drawer. Yeah. Yeah. It's my case. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bougie now. Yeah. Who have I become? Come on. <laughs> That's the, that whole song by David Byrne was about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the name of that song, but who... Whose car is right. this? Who's, how, how this is not my beautiful on? wife. Yeah. Letting the days know. go Anything by. Letting Letting the days same go as it ever by. was. Yes, you know Get that Get it on the rails. You know that song. All right. Can we talk a minute, just for a minute, about um, worry, the idea of worry? Because when I hear the word worry, I think of anxiety. Mm. Um, and I believe, I think we all believe, we're living in an age of anxiety. Uh, so... 
I want to talk for a minute just about what worrying in 2022 feels like, looks like, and what the phrase don't worry about anything or don't worry about these things. What, what does that do to an anxious culture? Is it helpful or harmful to hear? Don't worry about it to someone riddled with anxiety. Mm. Well, there's nothing in that statement that you're not supposed to do the, like most people were farmers. They still need to plant. They still need to weed. They still need to do that stuff. They still need to do the things that bring about the things that they know Mm. they need. The thing is that he's saying, you do your part and trust me that I'm going to do my part Mm. to take care of the rest of it that you can't do anything about anyway. Yeah. So there's a, okay, so there's a, um, I guess, control part. It's yes, yeah. like, you you do the things that you can control. Don't worry about the things you can't control. Right. The things that are really out of your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I started writing a list of things I'm currently concerned about mm-hmm. or anxious Goodness. about. All right. Wow. So. <laughs> I'm sorry if I created that. No, you did it. Yeah, I mean, I was anxious before the sermon, so he's uh, taking inventory. Yeah, so life. like making ends meet, or sticking to a budget, or planning for retirement, or managing debt, or handling investments, or affording school and childcare. Hmm. Reading or hearing the words like "Don't worry about these things." To me, who is on a prescription for anxiety medicine, is like not helpful but when you when you put it in like uh control uh, worrying about things in which i do not have control over that kind of snaps into a little more of a focus for me right i said straight up i plan for retirement yeah i have life insurance hey i had a friend they were an older couple i might have mentioned this on the pod once before but he thought Jesus was coming back in his lifetime, and so he never bought life insurance. And when his when he died, his wife was left destitute, and she had to sell the house and yeah. move mm-hmm. in with her kids mm-hmm. because he had not purchased any life insurance mm-hmm. based on a theological thing. Yes. I have life insurance. Yeah. I and, I needed to hear you say that because I that guy could have been my my parents. <laughs> The one you just described. (laughs) That's how I was raised. That trusting God and not worrying meant not putting away for retirement because we trust God. No, that's not what it means because the farmer goes out and he plows his field and he plants it. It, If he was really just trusting God, then he'd just go out and see what was growing in the field. Mm -hmm. That's the same. No, I, I take care. And I'm not, we're not extravagant. And my wife is not going to be a, a billionaire because I've, I know that life insurance is, it's a, they're gambling with you on whether or not you're going to die early. Mm-hmm. But I know this, that if had, I had something happen to me in my mid forties, my wife would have been able to continue to raise our children and stay in our home and find a way into her new life without also having to either mm-hmm. lean on other people to help her, which is okay to lean on other people. But sometimes you take other people, you just take it for granted that they owe you to do that. I've seen that yeah. happen. And <clears throat> that I did, I, we did that because it's, it's prudent and it fit within what our budget was. And, mm-hmm. and my wife, I don't think she worried about that, but it, she's, she doesn't, she knows that I took care of her in case something would happen to me. And I think that's part of what our responsibility is. I don't, I don't worry about that stuff because I've done what I can do Mm -hmm. and I don't get worried, worked up about what would my wife do? You know, God would take care of her. When I start to think about the emotional stuff and Mm -hmm. the other stuff Mm -hmm. that I have no control over, I only have a control over one thing when it comes to if I die suddenly and my wife's circumstances and that's that I've made it possible for her not to have to worry about cash flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I grew up with a lot of anxiety around the phrase trust God because of those things, because of what trusting God meant in my home and in 
at, at least in their version of our faith tradition, um, trusting God meant not having health insurance. That, that's... That is how I grew up. And so as I, as I became an adult, as I had kids of my own, I've had to figure out what kind of believing adult am I going to be? Right, what kind of adult Christian am I going to be? And it helps me when I hear perspectives of other Christians who weren't necessarily on the fringes the way that my parents were. Um, Cause I can get really triggered by what Tyler just asked. Well, we have a system of health insurance and I don't, I don't know that I, I don't want to support the local health, <laughs> the way it works in America. Cause I've lived in places where they had fully nationalized health and healthcare it came out of your check, but you still were paying for it, for it and getting it what you needed for nothing when the time came. But it's, the system is such that it is rigged against you if you're not part of that system of health care, like health insurance. So if something really bad happens, it just rolls over you like a tank, mm-hmm. that system does. And this payment in on the front end, which keeps the whole system working, keeps you from being rolled over and destroyed on the back end. I I just don't think that it's not trusting God to see that, okay, this is the system, whether I like it or not, it is a way to protect my family and me from being destroyed by the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's wise. I mean, we're supposed to be prudent about things. So the things that I'm hearing are like, we take care of the things that we can take care of. We trust God for the things that are outside of our control. And I think I would add to that for me that I am grateful that I can take care of the things that I can take care of. So if I'm a, if I'm a farmer and I have land to farm and crops to reap, I'm grateful that God has given me that at all. Yes. And then that, that gratitude helps to dissolve some of the worry because I see how he is providing mm-hmm. and I trust him for what I cannot see. Right. And in, the, in the doing what you can do, what you don't need to do is obsess on that stuff all the time as if that's the only way that you're going to get by because God is watching and mm. he's still taking care. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's important to be like, uh, as I've thought about worry in my life, it's like, Worry says that I want control over power over something that I don't have control over. And I've, I've had to do the, the breath prayer thing that Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about from time to time. Um, And that has been like, I'm going to choose worship or I do choose worship in this moment that I have worry. I'm going to choose worship, uh, which is like basically saying God take the power that I want, or I'm giving God the control that I want. But worship over worry doesn't mean I don't have, I can just like hands off. Right. Now. Like I still right. have things to do. Right. And I think that's the part that is important to remember. Like it doesn't mean just let go of the handlebars now. Yeah. It just kind of means like I still have something to do, do to be thoughtful or wise or. Uh, yeah. It's not all or nothing. Saying yeah. don't worry isn't dismissive. Yeah. Of the concerns that you have. Yeah. I think it's it's encouraging someone to not obsess over the concerns right, that they have. Right. That's yeah. Hmm. All right. So, that was week 1. Mm-hmm. Where are we going week 2? Anybody know? I think he's going to do the law and the generosity in the law. Law. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could preach that sermon. <laughs> I when I get it's interesting. Believe God. I uh when I realized I wasn't going to use it and I'd handwritten it out and I was getting ready to type it. That's you handwrite your sermon. I handwrite everything. <laughs> I handwrite it. If and I you know write what? like more than 11 words, my wrist cramps. Hurts. And you yeah. know what <laughs> yeah. I also do is everything I ever write down is on the back of something that somebody at Grace Church has decided is not usable anymore. Every oh, you dig sim- it out of the recycling I or take it. I collect them. What? I have, I have, yeah, I have all, every sermon. people. Every sermon I've ever written has really? been on the back of another sermon. All my class notes for my classes are written on something. How that do you I, keep it straight? 
Like if I had something that had writing on the front and the back. Well, it's all printed. It's one so side. Confused. It's all printed. It's never handwritten. Oh, I see. Oh, no, it is. I have because every time I teach a class, I make a copy of the notes and give them to Jeff Landers so he can put up like maps and pictures <laughs> oh, and stuff. Oh, my goodness. And he gives them back to me and I go through and X out the stuff that was copied onto it, handwritten, and then flip them over, put there holes in them, and then write them out again. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I've probably saved... 400 yeah, <laughs> cases, reams or whatever they call it, of paper for Grace Church. Yeah. And I just Treasures feel in heaven, Tim. I just yeah. feel good about that. Storing them up. Yeah. In fact, when they stopped having the three punch thing, you know, they, they we this. used to have the three punch yeah. things for making holes in the. Yeah. I made them give me the big heavy duty one that they were going <laughs> to toss With the out. handle, yeah. Yeah, I have one of those. Yeah. It's like, and my wife can always hear me. Like, yeah, there you go, man. You know, and it does like a hundred yeah. pages. Of t- yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm all about it. <laughs> Yeah, this this thing right here. That's the one. That's where Between it your hurts thumb if I write and your forefinger. Like seven words. Cramps right up. Yeah. I can't do it. What I was going to say was that I had handwritten out that sermon and I realized I wasn't going to give it. So I threw it in the tr- I just threw it away. <gasps> and my wife dug it out. Good. And good put it in her. a file. Yeah, she said this was really good. I read it and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to give it." And she goes, "Well, I want to keep it." Yeah, you need to keep it. Thank you, Oops. Jennifer. So, but yeah, if he's going to the law, that's going to be great. I mean, it's, I was excited about the sermon, hmm. but, um, yeah, I was reminded of a quote. I think it's Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for that, which he cannot lose. Mm-hmm. All right. Treasures in heaven. Hey, with that treasures in heaven, we're going to listen to the average white band. <laughs> Cutting the cake. Cutting the cake. All right, tell us about this song because we're we're moving we're moving along and we're gonna we're gonna do songs that I've never heard of. Well, a song, a, a song. Uh, you brought to us a song called "Cut the Cake" by the Average White Band on Soul Train. Hey Tyler, have you ever heard of the Average White Band? No. Have yeah. you? No. Well, well I'm gonna tell you. We something, are in unprecedented guys. territory. <laughs> Three guys in the Average White Band. We're Are in, your we're, best friends? No, we're in Wings. No, I've heard of Wings. You heard um, of Wings? I've heard of Wings. Henry McCullough. Run. Okay, Henry McCullough from the Grease Band, who was behind the band behind uh, Joe Cocker. Oh, Henry McCullough and three the Stuart Hamish and oh gosh, I can't remember the number, drummer's name. And they were the members members of one of the original Wings organ things. And mm. but. Anyway, so that, what what's what's cut the cake about? <laughs> Nothing. It's just a fun subtle song. And I what, don't what, know. What, I don't you, know. You said you've been in a big average white band phase. Yes, because they impacted me so much back in the day. I would say they're they're one of those bands where nobody's strumming chords. Mm-hmm. Everybody's playing singular note things. Now, sometimes a song will start out with a big with a big yeah. chord thing, yeah. and they have some songs that do have chords in them. But mm. for the most part, they're just a bunch of guys all playing really cool lines together, and it's just so open and fresh from and, the seventies, right? You know, yeah. And they they're like, what is it that I was told? I want to tell you this: that Randy King told me when I played for Randy King, he said, "Silence is the." You say silence is the canvas upon which we paint our musical portrait. So you leave a lot of space. Yeah. And the average white band is space everywhere. Mm-hmm. And tell that to Fugazi. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's not gonna be a Fugazi thing. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh let's kick it off here. This now, is this cut is, the cake. Yeah, and it's gotta be big and loud because oh, yeah. it's I know this is on Soul Train. I had because they can play this music and I saw them do it and it was just so cool. This is a YouTube video. Oh, it it's Soul Train. Yeah. Get it. All their gear we had. I was I, in a I band. was wondering I have a bunch of that gear like actually. When I still. watch things like this, I just I look at the gear. It helps distract from the hair. Uh, <laughs> it's really into this song. I'm intrigued by songs that don't mean anything, but you're just like screaming what it is. Cut the cake. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Listen to these horn players. They're just so. 
They're so melodic. Horn players don't look like this anymore. This guy's wearing aviators with like. I mean, we we had a sax player this last weekend in church. I could just ask him to bust out the aviators. There you go. Gimme, gimme, gimme that cake. Gimme cake. Let's hear that guitar player. Ding, 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 ding. So cool. That little. Yeah, it's funk. Do you think they just want to be James Brown? Well, they knew James Brown would never come to Edinburgh, so they went. <laughs> yeah, they're Scottish guys. What do you think uh, James Brown thought of them? I think he liked them because they, they let him know that he was being paid attention to. Uh, they were paying homage. I want to be I want to be in a band where I my only job is to yell the title of the song. Cut the cake. Yeah, there's there's only there's guys on here. See, then you want to be in Fugazi because there is a guy in Fugazi who does just that. Just that. Yeah. He's like swaying with his saxophone, and he just goes, "Cut the cake." <laughs> <laughs> listen to his, listen to his voice, so man, you listen. He at one point he goes way soul. up because. <laughs> he just wants to be James Brown. <laughs> okay, now we're talking. I'm telling you. <laughs> Whatever happened to like feather hair? Uh, it still exists. I saw a woman with it yesterday. Feather hair? Yes. Their hair looks like feathers? Feathered, yes. No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying. Can you guys tell me why horn players like use the same microphone? That's just cool. Like they're just they're just gathered around the same microphone, yeah, blowing cool. into the same microphone. It's just cool. <laughs> well, yeah, just, this was the '70s, so they're yeah. they're not individually mic'd. But like, would they be today? Yes. Yes. Are you watching it through the window? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a reflection right behind your head and I'm watching it. They're into so, this. Is, you'll love this. Because <laughs> back in the day, they used to fade this kind of music out. Oh, yeah. Not you the can't average do it live. Well, you can't do it live. Nope. Oh, well, they did fade it on Soul Train. Now watch this. Yeah, there you is go. Is that good or what? I'm just saying. That's worth that is worth it, Tim, man. Where where are you listening to this? Are you listening while you're planting petunias? Are you is this driving music? No, I just uh, it's usually in the evening and I just go sit down someplace and just listen to it. My wife and I love this band. We would li- we listened in the car. We she'll sometimes I'll come home and she'll say she'll say I got something for you and she'll put it on the sonus oh, and the house and it's like or it's, and it's just I hear that because I used to play that. Yeah. I used to play that line. Space. I, yeah, I, I know. So much space. Yeah. I'm just confused I'm all about, at the music yeah, you send me. Uh, <laughs> it's just music that makes me happy. And yeah. I told you, I saw them and they when they came <laughs> on and the crowd didn't know they were all white Scottish guys and then started yelling at them because – some other, I mean, it was with a bunch of bands, mm. a bunch of funk bands. And they said, let's cut the cake and beat into that thing. And the place just erupted like a mm. big dance because it was a big armory with no chairs, no seats. Mm. And I have never had more fun ever <laughs> at a concert because there, it was just dancing like crazy. And I felt really silly because I was terrible. I'm a terrible dancer. <laughs> But they just beat us up for like an hour and a half. And of is this. every song funk like that? No, but it's it's blue eyed it's blue eyed soul. But mm-hmm. it's fun. Yeah, they've got so many cool songs. Mm. They have a song I played in a band that played a, some of their songs, and we played the song "Schoolboy Crush," and that song it just it's got this deep groove, and it's just kind of slow. It's, 
it's and you just can't help but just start moving after a while. It just <laughs> yeah, takes there you go. over. Tyler, what's the most fun you've ever had at a concert? Like when he says well, that, well, one I time can't... I was at Shania Twain, Stop. and uh, <laughs> no. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> when he says that, I, I I can't pinpoint. Like, what would I even? How would I even answer that? Mm. The most fun yeah. I've ever had at a concert. You can't. You've been to a million concerts. I know that's the problem. Yeah. And I think they're special for different reasons, and it depends yeah, on who true. you're with. Yeah. Like, I just saw a series of shows with my son, mm-hmm. and I yeah, maybe the one in the bowling alley and beautiful scene at Cleveland might have been the best concert well of my is life. that because it was in a bowling alley it was in a mid-century modern bowling yeah, alley there. Oh, that's that cool. hasn't that's been it. touched since like the 60s and mm. I was with my son that's yeah cool. yeah and there were horns involved mm. horns always make for a good show I don't know I I, I have I, I go to sad concerts. The yeah, concerts do. like don't make me happy. People don't dance at the concerts no. you go to. <laughs> we sit in you, silence and yeah, weep that, quietly. Yeah, we I think quietly. that was what made that average white band concert so cool that you could not help but dance. Yeah, there you go. And there were no seats. Yeah. yeah. So it's like everybody was standing there and then suddenly everybody yeah. was, everybody was moving. But those, yeah. those guys were just so good. It's so good. Because that, that's a live version on Soul Train. They didn't let you get away on Soul Train with yeah. not really playing. And so they're really, their gears, all that cool acoustic gear. That's I have cool. an acoustic 371 in my basement wow. and an acoustic 135. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, it's like, who has that stuff? <laughs> yeah. I do. <laughs> I love it. I love right. I love what makes Tim have fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Glad we did that. All right. Marin, yeah. we're over time. Will you please, wait, wait. Will you please send us out? Sure. Sure thing, man. Do justly. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 